This is News Talk 980 CKNW. There has been a lot of talk lately about a bylaw. It's going to the Park Board on Monday about the future of the aquarium and banning any more cetaceans at the aquarium. Plenty of talk about this, particularly since the death of the two beluga whales at the Vancouver Aquarium, although it's been a conversation that's been going on for much longer than that. It did seem to come back to the forefront after the deaths of those whales. Later today, there is going to be a protest outside the Vancouver Aquarium called the Empty the Tanks. And Jeff Matthews with Van Aqua Facts is here to tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, Jeff, good morning to you. Hi, thanks very much for having me. Uh, What is uh, being planned for today outside the aquarium? So today is our fifth annual Empty the Tanks protest. Um, It's a protest that's happening worldwide, actually. uh, There's over 60 protests happening in 22 countries, uh, all to demand an end to whale and dolphin captivity. And has anything changed with the bylaw that's coming to Park Board on Monday that would end the future of, of bringing cetaceans, having cetaceans on display and in, in, involved in shows? If that bylaw passes, does that change or does that uh, is that enough for your group? Um, we think that as the bylaw is written, uh, that it's fantastic. We think that they've addressed all of the, the major issues that uh, we've had as a group. And, and I mean, frankly, they've... Um, They've taken this farther than I think we expected they would. Um, you know, we were hoping for at least a ban on breeding as the last park board had, had brought in. Um, but this park board really seems to have gotten um, the crux of the issue. And I think that it was Keela and Aurora's death that really um, really hit that home for them. Uh, what about the the argument from the park board that the ban goes too far in their attempts when there are cetaceans in the wild that are struggling, whether they're injured or sick and they need rehabilitation? Yeah, of course. You know, nobody wants to do anything that would would harm our ability to help cetaceans that are that are in need in the wild. Um, the problem is is that the rhetoric that's coming from the aquarium is is uh, very loose. <laughs> To say the least. I mean, we heard we heard John Nightingale say the other day that um, the aquarium has never done shows. Um, so, if you put this same level of rhetoric in the context of their of their rescue program, um, the vast vast majority of marine mammals that are rescued by the aquarium are seals and sea lions. I think there was fifteen hundred rescued, and there's only been five or six cetaceans rescued in the past twenty years. Um, so, it's not the kind of problem that um, they like to. Um, imply that it is. Um, and as a matter of fact, there, there are other ways for the long-term care of cetaceans that can't be released. Um, we argue for sea pen sanctuaries, and in fact, this is the model that the National Aquarium in Baltimore has opted for. They voluntarily decided to move all of their cetaceans to a sea pen sanctuary. And this is, a, this is an institution that's very much like Vancouver Aquarium, where they have an education program, uh, they have a research and rescue program, Yet they've found a way for the long-term care of these unreleasable cetaceans, uh, whereas Vancouver Graham doesn't even seem to want to entertain other ways. And, and for us, this is a problem. And the argument we often hear from the aquarium as well is about research and saying without access to these creatures, they wouldn't be able to do the, re- the research, uh, the very important research that they do at the facility. Well, there's, you know, again, there's other ways of doing research on these animals. I mean, certainly, we've learned a lot through these animals in captivity, but the aquarium's had 50 years of belugas, 
at the aquarium, and they've had 50 years to do research, and I think they've amounted to about five or six publications, scientific publications in peer-reviewed journals um, that have any relevance to the wild. Um, whereas I've spoken personally with many researchers who study these animals in the wild, some that go back to the same populations year after year and develop a relationship with these wild animals. And, and, and the relationship between the wild animals and these researchers is so strong that these animals actually come and, and sort of volunteer to participate in their research. Um, so there are other ways. It's, it's a little more difficult. It's not always as easy. Um, but, you know, it's better for the animals. I mean, there's no doubt that these animals suffer in captivity. Um, and that's, you know, really at the heart of everything that we're doing in, in trying to bring an end to this. And how do you know, and I'm just playing devil's advocate, how do you know yeah. they suffer when you could look at the belugas and their death was very sad and it saddened a lot of people? But when you look at these belugas who in the wild would be constantly avoiding predators, searching for food, uh, they live this life where they're taken care of, there are no predators, they're very much loved, uh, they're fed, they don't have to worry about that. How do you know they suffer? Well, I mean, they're all dead, for one. Um, the aquarium doesn't have any belugas left because they all died, and many of them died before the age of three. Um, so that may not be suffering, it's just a short lifespan. But let's look at the life of Aurora. I mean, Aurora was caught from the wild when she was two or three years old, and she was forced into a life of captivity. And we did the calculations, and when you, when you account for how long belugas sleep um, and how long it takes her to do one lap of that pool, we calculated out that she did 25 million laps of the same pool. She watched three babies die, including a grandchild. Um, and, you know, whales and dolphins are emotional creatures. They're, they're intelligent, and they have large emotional centers in their brain. So they, um, you know, there's no doubt in our mind that these animals know something is wrong. Um, they get odd sicknesses. They get diseases they normally wouldn't in the wild. Um, everything points to these animals being incredibly stressed, the behaviors that they do in captivity. Um, to us, there's no doubt. Um, the only people that seem to think that there's no suffering in captivity are the ones that are keeping them captive. Why, why stop at whales and dolphins? Why stop at cetaceans? Why not all animals that are kept in captivity? Um, you know, that there are people within our organization and, and others that are advocating for that. Um, our focus is simply on the whales because we think that this is the most egregious um, of all the animals that they have in there. They're the most ill-suited for captivity, much like elephants are. Um, they need to be in a more of a sanctuary kind of environment, and we have the facility to do that. Um, beyond that, um, we're not really calling for any, any more Um but why, you know, why is it okay to keep sea lions, say, in captivity, but not a dolphin? Well, listen, do you think, do you think society is ready to have all sea lions released? Um, we, I personally don't think so. Um, I also don't think that sea lions have quite the same emotional needs as, as whales and dolphins. As you said yourself, these, are, these whales are free-ranging creatures that, you know, belugas migrate thousands of miles in their lifetime. They dive, you know, hundreds of meters deep. Um, so we think it's, it's their needs that uh, are particularly not well met within captivity. All right, Jeff, we'll have to leave it there. I know the protest, uh, is it noon till two today? Yep. All right. Thank you so much for joining us uh, to talk a bit more about this. Appreciate your time today.
Yeah, thank you very much. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.